Hello everyone and welcome back. We are back after a long summer and fall... Sorry, <laughs> let me mute my phone. That was the Earthbound Healing sound, by the way. That's what it does whenever I get a text. Do you feel restored whenever you get a text message? I do. Well, I guess it kind of depends on the on the text, but uh, but yeah, it's it's sort of a refreshing sound, I think. Very pleasant. <laughs> um, so there's been a lot of stuff lately happening in the Smash community. That's that's kind of what we wanted to make a video today. We wanted to just kind of catch up on both what we've been playing and uh, discussing Smash Brothers because that's kind of the big thing right now, of course. And uh, let's go ahead and just get started with with the Smash talk. So Chris, yeah. we had a direct. Let's start uh, first of all before we get to the Grinch. We had a direct back in August. Um, we did. And in my opinion, this this was really what sold me on the game. Prior to this, uh, I was you know I was pretty excited for Smash Ultimate, but you know part of me was thinking, is is everyone is here? Is that like the main hook? Like, are we not going to get many newcomers because you know we're getting Pichu and Young Link and stuff? Right. So I I and in a way I was kind of like, well you know it's cool that nobody got cut, but. It, I don't know if it's uh, it's enough to 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 really sell me on the game, but when the August Direct rolled around and they started with Castlevania content, and then they went on to all these different modes that they're adding to the multiplayer and all these different features and all and a huge amount of levels, I I, uh, I was I was really fully in by that point. I was like, okay, this is great. We got we got King K. Rule who's been long requested. We got Simon Belmont. Mm. We got a bunch of Echo characters. We got a bunch of new modes. So. Um, and then the next month, of course, we got Isabel, which you know, that's, that's a fine choice, I suppose. I always, always thought Nintendo was really pushing Isabel hard back in the uh, a few years ago, but I guess you know she's got a big fan base in Japan, and a second Animal Crossing rep makes enough sense. So I was like, okay, sure. Before I go further, Chris, what, what, what do you, do you have any anything to add on top of that with the August Direct and such? Yeah, I kind of do. It's a little uncomfortable to talk about. Uncomfortable? Oh, you got my attention. Matthew, I don't like to say this because it almost never happens, but I was wrong. Ah, we got a mea culpa from Chris over here. Yeah, I I was overly cynical about this game. I thought mm. it was just going to be Smash 4 polished up a little bit, you know, with some new characters and a couple things here and there. But you know what? I was wrong, and it actually does look like it's Smash 5. It's, it's a new game. Well, it takes a big man to admit that, Chris. A big man with a big head. <laughs> yeah, it was the August Direct, I think, that really made me realize that uh, I was mistaken and should have given Nintendo a little more credit. Okay, so not a port. It's not a port. Uh, and considering that there have been many ports from Wii U to uh, the Switch, I think it was a reasonable cynicism, but I've been impressed with, with what they've shown. Okay, well, cool. That's good to hear. Um, I'm wondering how close you are to changing your mind on that awesome mural that we've seen. There has been no development on that front. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Yeah, Nintendo has been doing a good number of, of ports the past year, and even when Smash was first shown, you know, with the inkling and everything, I I assumed it was a port of Smash Four. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see that they're putting a lot of effort into this game. I mean, it's, it's going to be jam packed with characters. And speaking mm -hmm. of which, there has been a a big divide in the Smash community lately, actually, over this Grinch leak. <laughs> the Grinch has returned. Yes. Now there will be spoilers if if you consider a leak to potentially be spoilers. I know some of you are avoiding this, but we are going to be discussing the characters in the leak. So if it's real and you want to avoid that, you know, you might want to skip ahead to when we start talking about like Undertale and stuff later. Okay, so this leak, long story short, it was made in a French company, like a marketing company apparently, 
there's some background images, promotional images for the upcoming Grinch movie alongside a circular piece of marketing material, like something that would go around something circular, featuring the full banner of Smash Brothers characters. Uh, apparently this was taken on a Snapchat video initially. Someone took screenshots of it and pieced it together, so it's super blurry. But from this, we can, we can make out the uh, images of seven characters. Shadow the Hedgehog, Ken from Street Fighter, Isaac from Golden Sun, Gino from uh, Super Mario RPG, Banjo-Kazooie, uh, the Chorus Kids from Rhythm Heaven, and Mach Rider from the NES and arcade games, uh, Mach Rider. So, Chris, uh, I don't know if you've really looked into this much or not, but right now would you say you're on Team Real or Team Fake? Seems real to me. They're all pretty reasonable additions. Mm -hmm. I like probably most of them. Easily a couple of them will be, you know, uh, Echoes. Yeah. So I think it's pretty reliably true. I, I would I would be in Team Real. What about you? Yeah, I'm leaning towards it being real mainly because, well, a couple things. First of all, there's so much, it's not just an image leak. It's like something where people had to look into a bunch of background stuff and found all this information about this French company and this guy that apparently leaked it. It was really circuitous and convoluted if it was fake, like like to an insane Moriarty level. <laughs> um, which, which I mean, if someone faked this, they, they, they have got to uh, really be on top of it. But uh, there's a lot of little details in both the artwork, such as like a Ginny being in front of Isaac, and uh, the chorus kids being all around the conductor from the Glee Club minigame, mm. that... I think a lot of leakers wouldn't consider, like a lot of fakers wouldn't consider putting in because it's sort of, it's one extra thing to worry about. Right. Uh, right. Apparently, Kazooie is reacting to Snake's rocket launcher, for instance. Uh. Little details like that feel kind of Sakurai-ish or Nintendo to me. Um, but I mean, you know, there's, I'm I'm not feeling you know 100% on it. I'm kind of like a 70%. Yeah. So there's still there's still the very real chance it could be it could be made up or not real. Some insiders are claiming it's. Only parts of it are real, which is a little odd to hear. Yeah, but yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth going on about this. But let's assume, for the sake of this discussion, that it is real. Uh, I just want to touch down real quick on the on the characters. I would personally be really excited for the Rhythm Heaven characters because I love Rhythm Heaven, and I think it it certainly deserves a series in Smash. And based off of the the choice of character, I can see this being a really creative type of player, like Duck Hunt or something. That's probably one of my top interests in terms of whether it's real or not I, I would be on board with that yeah and uh and banjo kazooie is probably my favorite pick just because yeah. uh, i'm a huge fan of that series and uh it's been so long you know it'd be, it'd be great to see them come back and actually make like if they were in the game it would make me dislike cloud a little less <laughs> because then it would kind of be like okay we have sort of our mostly sony rep and now we have our mostly microsoft rep but they both kind of have ties to nintendo a little bit a so, little bit. Uh, Banjo Kazooie's little bit. Okay, so yeah, okay. Banjo Kazooie is, is definitely more than Cloud, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, but he's currently owned by Microsoft, and yeah, uh, yeah it just it's kind of sad, you know. Chris and I grew up with with the rare of the Super NES and the N64 days when they were like buddy buddy with Nintendo. They were the, the second party. So uh, having Banjo Kazooie kind of come home in that sense would would be uh, would be very nice. Would be very cool. 
Yeah, I would say that Benji Kazooie is even more of a retro pick than Cloud because even though they both had games when we were, you know, kids, mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of kids today know Benji Kazooie because there was like, yeah, there was that one Xbox 360 game that nobody liked, and that was it. He hasn't <laughs> yeah. been in anything else, right? Not really. There was Banjo Kazooie. There was the sequel Banjo Tooie, which came out two years later on the 64, and there was Banjo Pilot, I think, for the Game Boy Advance. Oh, yeah. It was like a yeah. spin-off racing yeah. game. So Banjo, he was, in, he was in a handful of games, yeah. Um, but only one on an Xbox system, the uh, rather divisive Nuts and Bolts. They did remaster, I think, the original and Tooie for Xbox, so you can get them in like, yeah. HD. Yeah, that's Which true. Which seems nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I played a little bit on on my on my brother's uh, Xbox. It, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's pretty good because they, they you know they, they mainly improved the frame rate. Uh -huh. And that was kind of an issue with Banjo Tooie because it was such it had such large environments and a lot of things right. going on. Now, uh, Gino and Isaac both have a, a large fan base. I'm not as I'm not really yeah. as into them. I, yeah. I yeah. Let me tell you what bugs me about Gino. Like in his in in Mario's own RPG. He comes across this kid that's like, Gino's so much stronger than everyone else, and boom, 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 you know, he beats Bowser and he beats Mario, and then, and then he kind of takes over the game, and that always rubbed me the wrong way, how this <laughs> original character comes in, Square's original character comes in, and he's like, way more better than Mario, you know, it's, it's just like, come on, Square, why you gotta do that? Why you gotta be hating on Mario? Well, Mario's all, still the hero, people. though, Mario's still like... Did stuff. He is, but the Gino's like has the higher purpose, and he and it, yeah. When you when you get introduced to Gino, it's from this kid that is playing with his toys, and Mario gets beaten by Bowser, and then Gino comes in to save the day. So it's, it's just like I don't know. It kind of kind of bugs me. It's, it's like it's like it's the original character comes so, in. So what you're saying is Gino is the Poochie of yeah, Mario. Yeah, he's the Poochie. Yeah, and then he and at the end he had to go. His home planet needed him. Yeah. So. Anyway, he's back, uh, if this leak is real, so... Uh, one, one kind of interesting detail is that he's very small on this on this thing, which actually makes a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, because, you know, in Mario RPG he was Mario's size, but if this roster is to be believed, he's going to be kind of a little bit more like Alomar, like Alomar and Smash size. Yeah, yeah. Which would be kind of funny. Like, uh, some, some Geno fans have said they actually really like that interpretation. I'm not opposed to Geno. I, I know he's had a lot of fans clamoring for him, but considering other characters, I think, that have been clamored for a lot as well, yeah, he's, he's an okay inclusion. What I, what I really like about this roster, if this is real, is that all five of the newcomers, kind of including Geno, it, it kind of depends how they do it, but all five of them represent new series. Yeah, yeah. And I'm always a big fan of new series being represented in Smash. Not necessarily new as in, like, they haven't been around, but, like, new as in series that haven't been represented yet. Right. I'm all for variety. So, uh, yeah, so Mach Rider is, uh, is from a pretty obscure NES game, and I think I could see this being a really cool character, especially if Mach Rider is always on the bike. Mm -hmm. Uh, sort of like a Bowser Jr. thing. Yeah, and yeah. there's still some, like, speculation on whether Mach Rider is actually a female or not. Which would also be kind of neat, kind of a Samus thing again. Mm. Isaac seems to be using some sort of growth spell in the, the the render. So if they have him using more magic than like just doing sword stuff, I would I think I'd be more interested in him in that case. My initial impression would be that he's kind of fire emblemy. A little bit, yeah. Uh, if he's just you know hitting people with a sword, so we got a lot of sword guys. More magic is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's Kin, um, which you know makes sense, eh, sure. Yeah, whatever. And then there's Shadow. Ugh. <laughs> so Shadow, I don't know, man. I don't know. I know he's got his fans now. He's he's got he's got a fan base, but I don't know about this guy. You know, we just talked about Poochie. Shadow is the Poochie of all Poochies. 
We made we made I made that up Brawl in the Family comic ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Shadow being eaten by Kirby and turning into Poochie. So I guess that about that about says it for Shadow. Look, I, I it's not just the Sonic thing. Like if they put in Tails as an Echo, I'd be way yeah. more on board with that. Tails would be great. Sure, I like Tails, but I just don't, don't like Shadow that much. But whatever, I'll take him if it means we're getting you know Chorus Kids, Banjo Kazooie. Yeah, I would mind more if if this was a roster the size of like melees, where it's you know just a couple dozen. Right. Then it would be a bigger deal. But there's like a million characters in this game, so I don't really care. Yeah. Since he's an echo, I don't think it really took development time Effort. or whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. By my count, there are, if this is real, there would be 81 characters. Wow. That's a that's a big roster. That's including uh you know that's counting the Me Fighters as three because they have three move sets and it's counting Pokemon Trainers three. Yeah, but this is only the start. I mean, even if this assumes that this is all of the launch characters, there's going to be DLC. There's going to mm-hmm. be extra characters, I'm sure. Probably. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing. You know. I, yeah. I welcome it. Yeah. Sure. All right. So Smash Ultimate should be good. Let's uh let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing lately, Chris. You go first. What 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 Nintendo games have you been enjoying in the past few months? Well, I recently played through 999, ah. which I was very surprised by. Uh, you recommended it to me. You actually gave it to me for my birthday or something a while ago. Yeah, we had the uh, the bit bits section where I talked about the series. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, it's not an interesting, but um, I really liked it. I think it's a well-told story. It's it's not too long, uh, mm-hmm. so it doesn't really overstay its welcome, mm-hmm. and it has interesting characters. And the puzzles are pretty neat. There's a few downsides, like I think some of the writing is not so good, particularly when it's referencing something sexy or like, like the the dialogue between a couple of the male and female characters is kind of bad. But like 90% of it's pretty good. I'm struck that a game like 999 is going to last longer in terms of having wider appeal to more people than a lot of other games. So you know, if you think of the DS, how many DS games were there? Like 600 or a thousand? I don't there know. Were, yeah, there were a lot. Probably a four-digit number. I bet 950 of those are going to be basically forgotten by most people in the world, you know, in the next, you know, decade or whatever. Because they'd probably get outdated in some form or another, right? Right, because I think a lot of games are simply based around gameplay, right? So they're based around uh, how you control the characters or the graphics and uh, reaction time. And mm-hmm. on, a, on a more primitive system like the DS or the Game Boy Advance, um, or look at the N- N64, games are more liable to be outdated because the next console is going to do it better. Mm-hmm. So on a game especially that doesn't really involve a lot of story elements, I think there's a lot more risk of that happening where, yeah, it was fun when it came out, but then a few years later, no one's going to play it again. Mm-hmm. And, and it'll just be remembered in a history book or by some, you know, gaming historians who you know, who were able to chronicle, yes, this was a game that happened and it was a kind of a stepping stone between this game and that game and etc. But I, I believe that storytelling is a huge element of art and of how humans have expressed art to each other for throughout human history. And I think that storytelling in gaming is something that's still in its development as an art style. Um, a lot of games don't tell stories very well or they don't tell good stories. Even if they're fun to play, they might not really tell a story that a lot of people can connect with. Um, I think the good thing about a good story is that a broad audience can connect to it. Take a movie or a TV show or a book or a play. A lot of people who don't have any particular expertise can sit down and enjoy it, generally. Pressing buttons, having to connect those buttons to what's happening on the screen, especially if there's reaction time, you know, that that's actually a significant bar for people who don't play games. Like my mom, for example. Mm-hmm. 
she, you know, she loves good movies and good stories. She reads all the time, but she can't get into games because the interface is something that she didn't grow up with. It's just much harder for her. Mm -hmm. Even though there might be a game where she might enjoy its story. She might enjoy the, the things that a game can do in terms of interactivity and storytelling that you can't get in any other medium. And I think 999 is a pretty good example of it. it it's, it's really a visual novel. So it doesn't have as much gameplay as like a Mario game where you're controlling your movement and there's a lot of leeway to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more so a series of puzzles connected by story and you make a few choices throughout the course of it. But that's all it needs to be. And for what it is, it's done very well. I think it's it's digestible and it doesn't overstay its welcome. And it's, it's actually the game where I would feel comfortable recommending it to a lot of people. Um, like my mom or something, someone who isn't a gamer, but nowadays people know how to touch a screen, you know, they can tap a screen, they can, you know, and it, there's a few sections where it might be a little confusing to, you know, navigate through some environments or something, but it's, it's pretty simple. So, um, I, I think in a lot of ways, it's a really good game and I'd like to see more games like it. Is, is I guess yeah. my bottom line there. That's an interesting uh, dissection of why you tend to put more emphasis on storytelling in games than I think I do. I, I've always been kind of more gameplay oriented, but um, that's kind of a neat way of looking at it in that you think that stories will, will age better than, like, say, something that has good gameplay in 1994 but may not in 2004 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sarah also doesn't like like timed reaction stuff. She kind of likes to take yeah. things at her own pace. And you had told me that that your wife also uh, you know enjoyed 999 a lot. Yeah. So you, you guys were able to enjoy it together. Yeah. And I, I feel that way about the the Ace Attorney games as well. They do a good job of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Mostly focusing on characterization and, and storytelling, having some gameplay that's still interesting, but also you know more cerebral and and slower paced. So you've also started the sequel, Virtue's Last Reward. Yeah. Have y'all finished that? Or are y'all like in the middle of that? No, we're about in the middle of it. <laughs> Ironically, we've spent probably almost twice as long playing this one compared to 999, and we're only halfway through it, which I think is kind of a problem, honestly. Um, <laughs> is so, it too long? Yeah, it is. Um, the first one, you, you, what, you finish it in about 18, 20 hours or something, and it's got like six basically six branches you go through and the way that the the story works you get to a few bad endings being like oh what is going on here and then it starts to reveal why there's these different endings and how they connect and it's really neat and you kind of mm -hmm. it makes it makes sense it doesn't feel like a chore in terms of oh i gotta replay this whole game the one thing i would change about it is letting you skip puzzles on the replays but that's eh, once you know the answer it doesn't take that long to do it again i think with a game like this less is more and some games <laughs> feel like more is more and I'm not sure that's always the case. Uh, take like, say, Persona 5, for example. Persona 4 was already long enough, and it seems like Persona <laughs> 5 just crammed it and stretched everything out. It's like, oh my god, you play this for like a thousand hours to beat it. This is pretty long. Come on, like, so to experience the story in Persona 4 or 5, like, they, they put it into an anime, right? So you can watch the anime in a few hours that's, and you're, yeah, you got the whole story. That's true. So to bring it back to Virtual Last Reward, instead of six endings, they have like 30 or 27 or something. <laughs> Well, there's, okay, so there's technically one ending for each character. Okay. But there's also game overs. And to be continued. Well, to be continued. They're the locks. The locks. The locks are. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, those those aren't endings, though. Those are just. Yeah, like... but it gets really convoluted. So basically what happens is there's a bunch of flows. As you go down one, you make choices, and then you, you know, mm -hmm. and eventually you either hit an ending or a lock. A lock means you can't progress past this point until you go down a different flow and learn something new that allows you to complete, to open that lock. 
And the frustrating yep. thing is, you get through like eight hours of gameplay, and then it says to be continued, and you're like, well, that's not very satisfying. So then you go down a different flow, <laughs> you spend another six to eight hours doing that, and it says, oh, to be continued, like, uh, uh, uh. and then you do that several more times, and it gets a little faster because you don't have to go from the very beginning every time. But like, you're getting all yeah. these to be continues, and you're not getting any payoff for all your investment. And it's just this constant dangling of some, some some kind of carrot where it's like, okay, eventually I'm gonna learn something. And then you learn a little something and you're like, oh, okay, I learned something. Now I can go to this other flow, open that. And there's a lock right after it. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I think it, it's like a story version of like a Zelda dungeon. But yeah. like <clears throat> each of the locks, you know, you, you, you get a small key, but then when you backtrack, you don't actually have to go through what you've already done. You yeah. just, you go through a new thing. You know, a new hallway. But it gets hard to keep track of because there's so many different flows. Uh -huh. it's, it's not like you have well, four I or mean, five. That's that's kind of true, but I, I think there's a lot of consistencies. Like every pretty much everything you learn besides like the occasional character death is pretty much canon. Like whenever uh. you learn a character's history, or whenever you learn the history of the world going on, or whatever, um, that all kind of ties in. So it's sort of like you're sort of piecing together this, this story puzzle. Oh man, I just liked it so much. It makes, just talking about it makes me want to go play it again. Well, I do like that aspect. And of all it. those locks, all those locks. I mean, I like the aspect of piecing together the story gradually. I like that a lot about 999, but mm -hmm. but in this one. Some of the things don't feel canon. For example, the the AB rooms where people vote ally or betray. At first, it seemed like completely random how they would vote. Like it's it's pretty much however you vote, they're gonna vote against you to screw you over. Or um, like you try to figure out, okay, getting to know the characters, can't I predict how these characters will vote? But it, you can't really, which is frustrating because it seems like it's it's just random and there's no story reason behind how they vote. Is that is that true? Uh, there's okay. There's one character who pretty much always allies, right? And there's one character who pretty much always betrays, right? The rest of them, you'll usually get some sort of explanation for them afterward about why they why they be pick betray. If they pick betray, they'll be like, oh, but there's a someone's running around killing people, and I gotta protect you know my grandson or whatever. You know, they'll say something like that. Where it's like it's still consistent with the character, I think. I've I felt it's it's a little much of, it's a little bit of a stretch so far. Uh, you know, we haven't beaten the game, but um, th that's what we were trying to do is figure out okay, what is this character likely to do? And the, they'll they'll have allied like three times in a row on the previous ones, so we're like okay, they'll probably ally here because that's who they seem like they are, and there hasn't been an event that we can tell would make them want to betray. But then they betray, and they're like. Well, what are you stupid? Of course you gotta betray. It's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'd have to go back and look at like specific examples. There's, there's like one or two moments where a character will pick the opposite of you either way, oh. and then and then Sigma will call them out on it. And there's a story purpose behind that. But from what I remember, for the most part, in round two of the game against this character, they're they're gonna pick this regardless of what you pick, kind of thing. It's still an interesting game, and we're enjoying it. But uh, I think the dialogue is is more cringy than the first. Uh, I, I think <laughs> the intention of these sequences is a combination of humor and sexual appeal, and it's just it's shallow and not well written. I don't think. Um, I, I enjoy a lot of the writing. I think most of the character development is good. Uh, I like all the characters really. Well, I like most of the characters. Um, I haven't seen enough development of a couple to really know yet. Um, so my complaint is not. Oh, they sexualize women. Like, yeah, sex is part of life, and sexualization should be a, is a perfectly legitimate part of storytelling. In the sequences in this game that it's used, it is a throwaway segment that does not really build character and is more of a 
like an objectifying base appeal rather than something that has any extra layers to it. I find it dull and that it undercuts the depth of the rest of the story. Okay. See, I had that problem more with 999. Yeah, it happened a few times in that game too, for sure. For whatever reason, whenever they went to this well in Virtue's Last Reward, it usually worked for me more than it did in 999. Huh. Okay. And I'm not really sure why, but I'm just remembering like in 999 when like Akane and Junpei, they're like searching the cabin. And they find a bed, you know, because it's a cabin. Yeah. And they both start blushing and falling over themselves, you know. It's right. like, oh, it's a bed. Oh, it's like, eh, what? It's, like, it's a come bed. On. Come on. Yeah, I, I agree. A bed is sexual? <laughs> I mean, I know I know, stuff can happen in the bed, whatever. But a bed is such a ubiquitous <laughs> item, you know? Yeah. It's like going crazy if you see lipstick. Oh, it's lipstick. Oh, I, I don't know. It just, it just seemed really silly to me. That's a good example of my problem because it's it's an approach to sexuality that is very juvenile. Like it's it's like mm -hmm. what a 10 year old might think of sex. Okay. I, maybe the main thing I disagree with is I don't really mind the, the outlandish outfits. I don't know. It's just kind of like a, a anime Japanese thing to have Kind of bosomy women, you know, running around. Completely naked except for a necklace? Well, it's it's kind of dumb, but it's like... <laughs> it's dumb and it's impractical, but it's like... If I had listed my complaints with Virtue's Last Reward, this would be like just one of those things where I kind of shrug or kind of chuckle at for like a second and then move on, you know? It's like, yeah. it doesn't... It, it doesn't really seem like much of a big deal. It just seems like it cheapens the characters, doesn't it? Well, I mean, that... There's a lot of weird outfits, right? Like, Dio's in a ringleader's outfit. That's pretty outlandish. Yeah, I didn't like a design either. I mean, but, but you wouldn't say Dio's ringleader outfit is a big problem, right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, it's kind of actually, down there on the... The way his character is designed, I, I would say, is a problem because it it seems very out of touch with who he is as a character. Uh, hmm. He looks like an effeminate kind of like dancer or something, and the, he, all of his animations are not nearly as aggressive and rude as he is. So, hmm. I, I, the way he looks, I actually really don't like at all. Um, so, when they explain, design doesn't really fit. Yeah, yeah, and when they explain like he's works for a circus or something, then it's like okay, I guess the circus garb kind of makes sense, but. I still don't think it explains his overall aesthetic design, which I'm not a fan of. Okay, I think I think that's a fair complaint. I would say that the two complaints are kind of similar, just in aesthetics. Like, mm -hmm. I they don't explain why sh these characters are running around naked. Like, if they said, "Oh, well, they abducted Clover from a beach," maybe I could get that. Fine. Uh, I don't know, but like, nobody dresses like Alice and. Yeah, Alice, Alice's outfit it's is pretty funny. Much. I mean, it's pretty weird. And, and I, th I think overall, though, the, the art design is more anime-ish than 999. I liked 999's character designs more, yeah. just aesthetically. Oh, okay. All right, so let's move on to what I've been playing. Yeah. So, folks, everybody's been telling me to play Undertale. And I kept putting it off, you know, because I wanted to play it on a Nintendo system, not on a smelly old computer, because as we all know from the bit fight, I prefer consoles. And you were turned off by everyone comparing it to Earthbound. I wasn't turned off by people comparing it to Earthbound. I was, uh, I was intrigued, you know, it's made by an Earthbound fan. So, uh, yeah, it came to Switch, and I got it the day it came out. I was like, okay, let's see what all this is about. So, uh, overall, um, I liked it. That's a conditional statement. <laughs> Chris, I, I know you can't relate to this, but you ever have... A feeling like when someone tells you a game is really 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 good and you gotta play it and you just play it and you want to really like it but you only kind of like it like you've never experienced that at all right uh i'm trying to think um 
I don't think so. I mean, I can try to imagine what that feels like. It's a totally foreign concept to Chris. Yeah, yeah. Because he loves every one of the games I recommend him. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right, I'm, I'm driving this home a little too subtly here. <laughs> okay, so uh, Undertale. There's okay, so there's a lot I like about this game. the The soundtrack is very good. I really like. I think the best thing about it is that it continually surprises the player. It's got a lot of surprises in it. Like almost every room has some new uh, little joke or some um, kind of extra bit of mechanic or some funny little sequence. You know, you'll go to to, to a sad. Um, just to pull one example out of dozens, you go to like a sad ghost house and he's like, let's lie on the floor together. And you know, you just kind of chill with him and listen to his weird spooky music, which is like, uh, ghost versions of like jingle bells or something. <laughs> and then if you go outside while these are playing and fight an enemy, they'll react to the music playing. They're like, Oh, this music's creeping me out. And then they'll leave the battle. You know, just little things like that, that are, that are funny little scripted events that is just like, oh, that was that was kind of fun, you know, just this weird little surprising thing. Uh, I think the game has a lot of of heart put into it in that way. I feel like uh, the the creator really wanted to um, emphasize the the personality of the game and uh, and the humor and stuff involved. It's it's very clever in a lot of in a lot of ways. There's some fourth wall kind of poking. I don't know who hasn't played this and is still planning on it that hasn't played it yet. I'm gonna get into slightly spoiler territory not really but you know a little bit um early on in the game you meet this matronly character toriel which i later learned is called that because it's kind of a tutorial um but she she gets kind of obsessive about the main character and tries to take care of him and everything and so when you try to leave to go to the outside world she uh she blocks you and she says no you gotta go back to my house and and you know we can just take care of you and you, you're not gonna die or whatever and you basically have to fight your way through her and I was thinking, okay, I want to, I want to spare this character because you can spare uh, monsters and you can kill them. So I, I kept fighting her until, well, first I tried to, uh, I tried to do some other things and they weren't working. So I, I, I decided, okay, I'm going to fight her until her life gets low, then I'm going to spare. Her. So I kept fighting her and her life was kind of low. And then I fought her again and it did this huge critical hit and she died, right? Oh. And I was like, oh no, I killed her. And then I went back and you know I went, I went past her and the flower laughed at me for killing her. And I was like, no, 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 no I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. So I reset. I did the battle again. I figured out how to spare her, right? So I spared her then, and I went to the next room, and the flower was like, I know what you actually did. You actually killed her and reset. And I was like, ah, you <laughs> stupid game. How do you know that? So it does stuff like this where it's like, it's kind of one step ahead of the player, you know? They expect the player to reset in this case, which I did, and then they pointed out that I reset, which is kind of fun. I guess it involves two different levels of save. Like, you have to kind of save one state and kind of have a backup save. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it's done, but uh, it, it does a few things like that. It does that a lot during the last battle. It kind of plays around with 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 some of these ideas. So all of that stuff I really liked. Um, but here's the problem. In Earthbound, I really felt like I was on a big quest. I felt like I was the the, the most appealing part of an RPG to me is that feeling of growth and going on a huge adventure and and getting more powerful as you progress i don't really get that from undertale i know part of the the game's concept is is in pacifism and in not killing things which i think is cool it's a cool theme and they and they follow through that well uh i played through the game twice once killing a couple things and once not killing anything which is called a pacifist run so i feel like i've experienced a good proportion good portion of it you know most of it and in both runs, I felt that the RPG elements were, were kind of weak. Like, the battle system itself, 
if you're killing stuff, you really only have one attack. You have the basic attack and you kind of time it. And if you're not killing stuff, you kind of poke through a few menus and try to decide which is the best way to spare the enemy. And sometimes this is kind of trial and error, you know, it's, it's sort of like picking from menus and like if you're investigating someone in Phoenix Wright, you're kind of like, what do I ask him first? I don't know, just try this. So there's kind of a lot of that. So the battle system itself, if you're trying to kill stuff, it's, it's very, very shallow. If you're not trying to kill stuff, it's a little trial and error, but it, it, it kind of is clever because it they pepper it with some humor. And probably the best thing about the battle system is the way you dodge attacks. It kind of turns into a shmup where you're this little floating heart and you're avoiding things. And they do a lot of clever things with this idea. Like every enemy has their own attack patterns. And sometimes the, the attacks are shaped like the enemy or some projectile they'll use. Like you're fighting the dog guard and you have to dodge this little uh, pixelated esky, you know, on the bottom, which is cute. But by and large, there's, there's very little strategy involved, which kind of left me wanting. And, and when you combine that with sort of my, maybe my biggest complaint about the game, it's very, very linear and very small. So I never really got that sprawling adventure feel. It, it almost felt like I was going through one large dungeon. It was just a little claustrophobic for me. I, I, I kind of missed that grandiose feeling of adventure and I missed that level of strategy and progression that you get from, from other RPGs. I don't know if I should compare it to other RPGs because it's, it's very much like an RPG light kind of thing. It's, it's almost like a mishmash of genres. Like at times it feels more like an old adventure game like King's Quest or something than an RPG. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm running into enemies, you know, I'm, I'm fighting random battles and stuff. And for the most part, these battles aren't terribly interesting. You know, it, it's it's either do the one attack or or choose from, you know, a, a preset list of, of actions, you know, and, and see what works. So that's kind of my, my thoughts overall. I, I definitely enjoyed the game overall. I mean, I thought it was really memorable. The story is pretty good. I didn't fall in love with it exactly. There's some emotional moments at the end of the pacifist run that just did not quite click with me. There's not really enough development on some of the major players of the game that it didn't really hit me on the same level. And I know if we're comparing this to Earthbound, like Earthbound is kind of a minimalist game when it comes to a specific type of storytelling as well, but it, it just worked better for me in Earthbound. I felt like I really got to know the environments really well, like the world right. felt fully fleshed out. It felt, uh, you know, just... I, I think if there was more to Undertale, like, it, it took me about five hours, where Earthbound takes me, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 hours. I, I liked the NPCs in it, I liked the main characters for the most part, uh, but the, the world just felt pretty small. I, I, I couldn't quite get lost in it the way I wanted to. And there, there's one major character I, I just didn't like very much at all. There's a kind of a nerdy dinosaur character called Alphys. And she just feels too on the nose. Like, she feels really internet-y, oh. if that makes sense. Like, kind of a modern sense of humor to her. And some of her in-game actions make her slightly villainous, but I feel like we're supposed to really... Like, I'm not... That's not a spoiler, by the way. She's not, like, a backstabbing character or anything, whatever. I just, I just think she has some kind of nebulous motives oh. that kind of make me not like her, but the game wants me to like her. Regardless. Right. Which uh, kind of threw me off a little bit. I, I, I just didn't really like that character very much. Uh, but overall, it was a good game. I would recommend it for anyone that wants to try, like, something a little fresh, a little new. And it, it's very funny at a lot of points. So... How's the music? And a good soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, music's good. Music's very good. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on Undertale. I played it twice, played it once, you know, like I said, uh, did one pacifist run, one just kind of regular one. I probably won't go through the genocide thing where you gotta kill everyone, because... 
I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't sound very appealing either from a story perspective or from a gameplay perspective. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Chris, you played a little bit of this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think I largely agree with everything you said. Uh, I only played it for uh, maybe an hour or so. It's like a short story, right? Mm -hmm. it, it seems like it's the kind of thing where, okay, it's a sh relatively short experience, but every step of it is fairly memorable or unique. Yeah. So there's a lot of unique little events that happen. It's in succession. It's not a big open world to go exploring. You don't really get lost. You don't really um, have to grind things or anything like that. I get the vibe that it's a pretty widely appealing game. Like I was saying about 999 where it's, except it has more gameplay elements. So it's more, you know, there's more real time stuff where you have to, you know, dodge the attacks when you're uh, trying to win the battles and stuff. Yeah, I, I really don't disagree with you on anything, though. Uh, like, I, I do agree the battle system does seem shallow, the music's good. Um, I like that there are different ways to accomplish things. Like, when you're saying when Toriel's trying to prevent you from leaving, yeah. you know, figuring out how to get past her, it's kind of cool. So, mm -hmm. if the game is filled with little moments like that, yeah, I think it's a cool game. Um, yeah, I think the bosses, in general, are, are, are pretty well done when it comes mm -hmm. to that. I guess I, I had more of an issue with, like, the, the little random encounters for the most part. Yeah, that does seem like an odd choice. This is kind of a nitpick, honestly, but I think what would kind of help with that whole idea is if this game had Chrono Trigger style encounters where they were out in the overworld, they jumped behind a bush or something. Yeah. And you just fight that one enemy and it would, it would kind of lend further credence to every enemy being its own unique being rather than fighting yes. froggets, several froggets in one dungeon or something. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, it, the, the random battles don't serve it well, especially like and since it's such a short game. I think it also would have been not too difficult to have every enemy be in, an intentional enemy, yeah, and with maybe a slightly unique twist. Even if there's a few different froggets, you know, having mm -hmm. a little twist in each one of them, yeah, as minor as that may be. There's not a lot of games where we agree like 100%, but I think I pretty much agree with everything you've oh, said on that. Okay, so, well, uh, you're, you're still early yeah. on as well, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's so true. We'll, we'll see We'll see how you feel. I want to quickly touch down on just a couple other things I've been playing. The Capcom Beat-Em-Up bundle was uh, came out last month. That was fun. I liked it. There's, there's seven beat-em-ups, you know. They don't have a whole lot of replay, but uh, they're, they're pretty enjoyable. Did they fix the online, though? Uh, I think so. I haven't gone back to check. I did hear you could you could make a make it to where your lobby doesn't accept more people coming in, oh. which would fix it. When I played it, it, it played well with two players, but got really laggy with three. So hopefully they iron that out. But overall, this is this is a fun set of games if you're in, you know, if you want some beat-em-ups and you have someone to play with. I would recommend, you know, couch co-op for this. Uh, and there's a few of them that haven't been released in America, right? That's true. Uh, the uh, the last two, which are probably my favorite two, because they just get progressively crazier. There's Battle Circuit, which is the last one, which is just nuts. And uh, Armored Warriors, which is this really cool like mech-based one, where you're picking up uh, enemies' arms and you get new weapons. Kind of like Kirby, you know? Like you beat uh, an enemy uh, and it drops like an electric arm and now you have an electric attack. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's That's they're good. they're pretty cool. My sister-in-law and wife really got into these games too because at first I was disappointed you have infinite continues, but when you're just kind of casually playing these, it's kind of fun to just fight your way through waves and not worry too much. It really made it appealing for uh, for Sarah, who usually doesn't get into actiony games like this. Yeah. She just really likes smacking stuff. So mm. those are fun. Um, I've also played through Mega Man 11. Mega Man is back, you guys. In 3D form. In 3D form, that's right. Remember Mega Man? Yeah, so this game came out eight years after Mega Man 10, I believe. Wow. So put that in perspective, uh, 
Prodigal Robot. Remember when I made that that video uh-huh. for, for Brawl in the Family, where Mega Man his last game was Mega Man Ten, and this was like two years later. That was that was like five years ago. <laughs> so I gotta say, I really like Mega Man Eleven. I was I was kind of tempering my expectations because I was like, oh, you know, it looks it looks a little funny. Like it's sort of that that two and a half D look where it's not quite as charming as the sprite based thing. A little lifeless in some way. A little bit, yeah. But uh, it's done super well. Like the level design is extremely good. The controls are extremely good. With one, there's like one minor little nitpick out of the controls. I'm not even gonna get into it. But they're they're really really responsive. Um, the level design is nice and long. The backgrounds, are, I've really come to enjoy actually the art style. The, some of the backgrounds are really nice. Like they really give you a good sense of place. When you're fighting uh, Blast Man, you see like this destroyed roller coaster and ferris wheel in the background and later when you're refighting all the bosses they have these big wily gears in the back except and they're, and they're turning you know except when you fight uh tundra man where they're frozen and they're not turning and when you fight blast man they're all like busted up and on the ground so i like the little details like that and the set of robot masters they're all really good the robot master weapons are extremely good like they're super fun to use there's these adjustments to the controls that i really like how you can choose your your secondary weapon with the right stick, which is a great, great addition. Uh, the what else? Can you, oh, you can summon Rush with with a press of a button, which is really nice. Um, just yeah, just everything really clicked for me with this game. Even the soundtrack, which I didn't really like initially. There's like this. This is kind of a weird thing because there's they had this pre-order at Best Buy or or GameStop or wherever. Pre-order from select retailers where you get a digital code for a version of the soundtrack that's just piano and violin. Oh. And I like it a lot. Like, it's really, really good. It doesn't sound very Mega Man-y, but it's really enjoyable. But you can only get that from pre-ordering it. And the regular soundtrack, I don't like that much. Because oh, really? it's all techno-y and dancey and doesn't really fit. Yeah, yeah so it's kind of hard for me to even rate the soundtrack. But I, I put on this this alternate soundtrack that I really enjoy. So I got it, but most people will not have it. Eh, that's dumb. It is dumb. Pre-order sucks. It's very dumb. Don't pre-order. Don't reward this bad behavior by companies... Well, see, I wanted the thing, though. I didn't want to support it, but I wanted the thing, because now I'm enjoying the game more, because I have the music yeah, that I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... I, I agree that I don't like in-game pre-order bonuses. I think that's a terrible idea. Yeah, give, like, an art book or, like, a little, you know, plush doll or something. You know, like a physical yeah, yeah, yeah. thing, sure, but... Physical thing. Or, or have something that you can unlock in the game through sure, normal means, sure. yeah. you know? But the game also has a bunch of different challenges. You, um, I was on the leaderboards for a while, you know, yeah. mainly when it first came out and there were hardly anyone out there. But I played like the balloon rush game. I mean, the balloon. There's like a, yeah, there's a balloon rush thing where you have to jump through a level and hit all the blue balloons and avoid the red balloons or you get a time penalty. And there's just a lot of really fun modes like this, like time trial modes, online leaderboards and stuff. Um, it's a pretty short game overall. There's not really much in terms of big surprises. It doesn't really reinvent the genre. Yeah. But I would actually compare it to the Wii Punch-Out in terms of taking a classic approach and knowing what to tweak and what to not mess with. And basically being, in some in some cases, like a safe sequel. But in other cases, it it really refines the gameplay to a, to a strong degree. Did they add some Mega Man X mechanics like you can dash i think um not really one of the one of the boss master moves is a is a is a dash so it's a dash through enemies or you can air dash but overall yeah i just i really like Mega Man 11 it's uh i'm a big Mega Man fan and i'd I'd put it pretty high 
below 9, 2, 3, and maybe 1. I'll kind of put it on par with 1. And I, I like 1 a lot. So. Wow. So was it as good as or worse than Mighty Number no. 9? A little bit worse. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was quite a bit better. Uh, I, I don't know what happened here. This is a weird story. You know, you had, you had Mighty Number no. 9 done by Inafune. You had Mega Man 11 done by not Inafune. But I think Mega Man 11 is... I mean, most people agree that it's significantly better than Mighty Number no. 9. Even if not everyone agrees with my assessment of it, a lot of people that... A lot, I, I noticed a lot of older gamers that, that grew up with Mega Man are really, like, focused on, on the tightness of the gameplay and stuff really enjoy this one. So, I yeah, it's my full recommendation. Great, yeah, I, I'm going to check that out. I haven't played it yet, but I, I've watched some gameplay of it, and it, it looks really good. Yep, I, I uh, really enjoyed it. And I, I, I ended up, the art style kind of grew on me because of the character design. I feel they really captured the, the, the large robotic eyes on things and stuff. Like they, they, yeah. they didn't, they didn't make it look all like dumb and kind of re- pseudo realistic. You know, just floating robots that have no personality, kind of thing. Right, right. Like there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of charm to it. It's good to have Mega Man back too. You know, he's been gone for too long. Yeah, for a while it seemed like Capcom was trying to get rid of him. Yeah, it was really weird, but uh. You know, I'll be maining him also in, in, in Smash Brothers. So that that brings us full circle, I suppose. It all comes back to the Smash. So in conclusion, I was wrong, and I don't like that. But, uh, <laughs> but the game looks good, so... It's, yeah. it's okay, Chris. You don't, you don't need to keep beating up yourself over that. It's just, it's... Wait, was I wrong about something else? I, f- I feel like some of the comments from the previous videos were saying I was wrong about something else, but I don't remember if I was. It might have been the artwork, because the artwork is great. Ugh, no, I was right about look that. Look at Ness! Look at Fox! Look at Pikachu! I will look at none of them. <laughs> look at the footage! Do you remember that? Leave a comment if you remember Cowboy Jed looking at the footage. It's great. I love that. Would that commercial have been even better if it was voiced by um, Jim Varney? Oh, man. Everything would be better if it was voiced by Jim Varney. Mm, mm. Everything. Yeah. For Halloween, go watch Ernest Scared Stupid. Yes. There we go. Good closing line. Bye. So this Grinch stuff, uh, what do you think about Grinch getting added to the Smash? Oh, I think it's it's great. He's clearly the most beloved newcomer of all. But is he the, really the best representative for Dr. Seuss? I mean, there's Cat, well, in, the there's Cat in the Hat. Yeah, see, we both we both thought of Cat in the Hat right away. Yeah, there's the Sneetches. Sam I Am. Yeah, there's the Pop. The Pop? Oh, that you hop on? Yes. <laughs> I think Pop would be an item that you can hop on. I think the Sneetches should be an assist trophy, and they would... Hit you with their ridiculous racism. Yeah, yeah, that's much better. Yeah, yeah. But the Grinch, the Grinch could have he could have the bad banana with a greasy black peel, and he could have the termites in his smile. So would his final smash uh, involve the dog and the sleigh, perhaps? Yeah, maybe like he's dumping all the all the toys off the mountain for Whoville. Yeah, yeah. I think his thirty nine and a half foot pole would be overpowered though. <laughs> That's a side smash. <laughs> yeah. Across the whole stage. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Well, I'm, I'm glad to see they're branching out into non-game properties. Sure. Maybe Goku is next. Goku! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Look at the goat. Look at the footage. Look at the jumping chicken. 
Look at the footage! It's so much footage! It's like it was made just for me! <laughs> Go watch Ernest Scared Stupid.